Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. So glad to have you here today on this wonderful Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal Live. We're going to start off with our usual current events update, and then we're going to get right into our class our Liberty First University class, libertyfirstuniversity.com, where you get an education on the Constitution and American history as if the founders themselves were teaching it. And so that's what we do at Liberty First University, and this is why I'm giving you this class. Now, remember, this is part two. And so if you didn't get to see part two, don't run away. Uh, you didn't get to see part one, don't run away. You can go back and watch it. Uh, but this is going to be a great day. This is where we start uh, uh, really moving forward in our history. Let me just mention to you, uh, just so you can refresh your brains before we get into the whole history or our current events stuff, that um, uh, we left off with the uh, creation of the Sons of Liberty and the uh British Parliament's response to the King's revoking of several of the laws that were tyrannical on the American colonists with the Declaratory Act of 1766. So that's just to let you know where we left off at and we'll start up there. But I wanted to talk to you about some current event things. I kind of keep, uh, keep things up to date on my Instagram channel. So my Instagram channel is kind of like, uh, kind of like a file folder for me okay so the Instagram channel is kind of like a file folder where we can I store up stuff that I want to make sure and then it gives me an opportunity to do a post for you as well but I wanted to show you some things that are happening in America today some things that you need to keep aware of the first thing that I want to show you is let's see how's this gonna work yeah alright so this man's name is James Bullard James Bullard is the president and CEO of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. He did an interview on Face the Nation April 20th, and he put forward a federal plan that would, man, that would create mandatory testing for every person, every day, and people will wear a badge to prove they've been tested. Now let me just go ahead and read to you what he says. This is, this is a transcript. If you go to my Instagram channel, you can see it, the transcript right there. Bullard says, you know, I have good news for you, Mar Margaret, because we have, there's a solution using available technology to fix the economic part of this problem. Notice he said, we have, right? We have, who's that we, I wonder? Who's that we? Could that be Bill Gates and his, his uh, board member, Dr. Fauci, and the CDC who makes money off disease and the National Institute of Health that makes money off disease? Could that be the people that we're talking about? He says, you know, I have good news for you, Margaret, because we have, and then he pauses, there is, don't you love it when they pause? It's like he catches himself saying something that maybe he wasn't authorized to say. Not we, we, we. I mean, I mean, I mean, there is a solution. 
right? Not the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve wouldn't have anything to do with having solutions for a pandemic, right? No, 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 no. We have no, wait, wait, wait. I mean, there is, okay? We just happen to stumble across this idea. We didn't, we, we didn't come up with this. This is where, you, I don't know, you face palm, you roll your eyes, and you're like, whatever. So go back here. You have face the nation. There we go. He says, Bar, he says, you know, I have a good news for you, Margaret, because we have, I mean, there's a solution using available technology today to fix the economic part of this problem. The solution is universal testing. What you want is every single person to get tested every day. And then they would wear a badge like they would at a, a after they voted or something like that, he says, to show they've been tested. You know, can we just pause there for just a second and think about that now, right? Where's the money going? If people are tested every single day and every single person, just think, who benefits the most from every single person being tested every single day? Well, obviously, the pharmaceutical companies, that's a no-brainer, right? Then you also have well, and everybody that comes with the pharmaceutical companies, right? All the stockholders, all the investors, all the bankers that get money from them. But then you also have the people who are making the tests. You also have the people who are distributing the tests. And then you get the people who are recording the information. Who would that be? That would be Mr. Gates, of course, right? So testing every person every day, and then you wear a badge. Seriously? Let me ask you guys a question, because I know history is lacking in America, and proper history is lacking in America. But how many remember learning in history that Hitler's argument against the population of Jews in Germany was all premised around economic recovery. That's how Hitler got his power. That's how Hitler came into power. He promised people the solution to the greatest depression Germany had ever felt. I mean, the whole a wheelbarrow full of money for a loaf of bread. And, and Hitler blamed the Jews for the economic problems because he said they owned all the banks, they controlled all the money. So if we get rid of all the Jews and then we take what they've stolen from the German people, right? So we go and raid their homes and we take their stuff. Now don't get too crazy because FDR did the same thing in 33 when he, he told everybody they had to turn in their gold their, to the federal government, which I'll remind you, you know, Everybody was thought it was okay back then because we're at war and it was necessary to do the sacrifices to support our, our, our endeavor at war, right? That's why they call this a war. We're, we're at war with an invisible enemy because that evokes an emotional response of fidelity and, <coughs> excuse me, and nationality and, and, and brotherhood, right? You automatically take a side when you're at a war. So here we are at war with an invisible enemy.
And this is how Hitler got his power. So who's going to be the reason for all our problems in America? Well, just wait. I'm not going to prophesy over that one. I'll let that one out of the bag. But there you have it, right? You have, <clears throat> you have Mr. Mr. Uh, Bullard, Mr. Bullard telling us that we all have to be tested every day and we have to wear a badge. What will that badge look like? A little coronavirus? Or maybe some kind of other symbol to indicate those who will not support and endorse this kind of tyranny. The reason I'm showing you these things is because I want you to see, I need you to see what's happening while nobody else is looking in all of this, right? Here's another story that I put up on our, on my Instagram page, okay? So you have, you have Ka Kanawa County, uh, Kanawa County, uh, what that is, my brain has just cramped on, on where this is. Kanawa County, I got Kentucky, I don't think it's Kentucky. <laughs> Man, I hate when that happens. Let's see where Kanawa County is. Kanawa County, West Virginia. Thank you very much, Google. I know, right, Google. All right, Kanawa County, Kanawa County, uh, West Virginia. We have a sheriff and a judge, Judge Charles E. King Jr. and the Kanawa Sheriff want to put monitoring bracelets on everyone who will not self-quarantine. Whoever will not obey the government's order to quarantine, then we are going to put them in uh, house arrest and give them a, a court monitoring bracelet so if they leave the house, they can be arrested, right? Now watch this, because you're like, oh, well, Chrisanne's an extremist. Those people are outside hurting everybody. Why wouldn't we want to put them on house arrest? Why wouldn't we want to actually uh, enforce the quarantine? Well, fine, if you want to quarantine somebody that's sick, but that's not what this order says. This order says that they're going to not only quarantine those who test positive, you know, actually test positive, but those who are likely positive. Somebody tell me, what is the standard for likely positive? Oh, that's great. Is that the new standard? I've been watching all this garbage on the news about, oh, the new norm. Even on, on Neil Cavuto today, go moving forward with the new norm. No, 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 no. This is not the new normal. I'm not going to tolerate this as the new normal. And there are many people here in America who are simply not going to tolerate this as the new normal. I'll tell you, there's a good portion of America that are simply tolerating this because they believe it's going to be over soon. This, this lingers much longer. They're not going to be tolerating this anymore. I try to tell you that. Not tolerating it anymore. And if you think that we're going to live like this, like from now forward... 
Come on now. Of course you're going to have a segment of the population that's going to be all PTSD'd and traumatized over the panic created by the politicians and the media. Let them walk around with their masks. I don't, I'm, I'm not a hater. Wear a mask all you want. Wear gloves all day long, all you want. My goodness, women used to wear gloves. Women, okay, women and men used to wear gloves all the time. I mean, why don't you wear something that looks nice and not some stupid purple-blue thing? Wear gloves all the time. I don't care. But if you expect me to live under a new norm of some kind of soft tyranny, some quasi-police state, you're barking up the wrong tree, girlfriend. Not happening in this place. And I'm going to tell you what. There's many, many, many who agree with me. I'm going to be on the Keith Hansen show tonight uh, in uh, New Hampshire talking about this very thing. And I don't know, Keith Hansen might lead a, a, a U.S. revolution all by himself. My goodness, that man is fired up. So he says that we're going to put bracelets around everyone. Even though, not, not just those who actually test positive, but those who are likely positive. What an arbitrary, vague term, vague and overbroad term, likely positive. Is that like the new burden of proof in Kiwana County? I, I want the Kiwana County Sheriff to contact me so we can talk about this whole thing. We can have a discussion about what it means to be a sheriff and the oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States and the state of West Virginia. I mean, seriously, I shouldn't have to have that conversation with Judge Charles E. King Jr., but we know what happens in law school, right? So is this, you've got a, you've got a circuit judge, Judge Charles E. King Jr., and the Kiwana County Sheriff, and I had his name somewhere, Mike somebody, but if you want to look it up, it's just, it's, it's easy. Is this a new standard of burden of proof? Oh, oh, wait a minute. He likely committed that crime, so let's sentence him to house arrest. See, this is what happens when, when these irrational fears take over people's minds. What might be educated people, what might be reasonable people, you put some scary boogeyman in front of them and all of a sudden, all bit of rational sense and intelligence just poof. It's like a magic trick. It's all gone. It's not even there anymore. So now, sorry West Virginia, in Kanawha County, I'm probably not even saying that right. Somebody's going to come on my live stream and tell me that I'm not saying Kanawha County right, but that's fine. It took me forever to say it's not Worcestershire, it's Worcester. So this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. Kanawha County, West Virginia. Here we go. Seriously. Now this one, this one takes the day. This is Joe Dieters. Joe Dieters is a prosecutor in Cincinnati, Ohio. Joe Dieter, county prosecutor, Hamilton County prosecutor, says this, and I'll try to say this without throwing up in my mouth. 
I just want you to know, all of you who are watching this on YouTube right now, this is what the face of a despicable tyrant looks like. Can I just, can I just ask you for permission to be particularly offended at this guy because he's a prosecutor? I mean, you guys know I was a prosecutor for a really long time, for nearly, for, for about a decade. I believe in my heart, call me a purist, call me crazy, I don't know. I believe that prosecutors hold the highest office in the legal field. Call me crazy. I think prosecutors ought to be held at the highest standard possible in the legal field. Because a prosecutor is the, well, set aside the sheriff, all right? The sheriff's a given. He's a whole different, whole different animal. But as, as a person who is in a district attorney, I mean, they're elected like a sheriff, the prosecutor's a, but a prosecutor in this case, right, this guy is hired, okay? So he's not in the same class as the sheriff. He's an employee of the prosecutor. Now, the prosecutor, the state prosecutor, the state attorney, the DA, those are elected officials like the sheriff. But this guy works for an elected official. And I believe these people are the first line of defense after law enforcement. They're an essential check and balance on tyrannical power. Because I don't know if you're familiar with the criminal justice system, but in the criminal justice system, the prosecutor is the first person to see a case and determine whether it sees the light of day. And the prosecutor can refuse to prosecute anything that the sheriff brings forward. It's called prosecutorial discretion. Your prosecutor is your defense attorney from the get-go. And when I was training prosecutors, I was very clear to point out to them, these are not case numbers, these are not report numbers, these are not statistics, these are people's lives. You are a prosecutor, not a persecutor. And apparently Mr. Dieter has forgotten that little detail. He's also forgotten about that oath thing. Now I have to pause for just a second and just say thank you Dragon's Talon for your support again. Dragon's Talon, uh, gives us a, a uh, what are those things called? I forget, a live chat, super chat, right. And he says, I'm proverbially sharpening my pitchfork, filling my lantern uh, with lamp oil and heating up the tar for the tar and feathers. I hope that we're all doing that mentally, getting aware and wakening up and sharpening, like I'm pointing to my head, sharpening your pitchfork. Your most valuable tool is your mind. And I think people are starting to wake up and see what's going on here, which only causes us to notice these tyrants. They stand out like sore thumbs, like Star Lee says. In January, students were coughing all over me and others in the school. Nurse said we couldn't make the students wear masks. We would have to wear masks right? Come on now. Anybody ever been to school? H how many teachers do we have out there? I know when we were in the military, 
every new influx of recruits, we called it recruit crud. Every time you get a new group of people together with different germs, everybody gets sick. Every school year, every child comes home with a sniffy nose, comes home with the flu, comes home with some germs. So you can't tell me that the new normal is what Mr. Dieter wants to enforce. Joe Dieter, prosecutor in Ohio, has forgotten his oath, forgotten he's a prosecutor and not a persecutor. He is a director of a police state that is antithetical to everything that makes America great. This is an outrage and an insult to prosecutors everywhere. And he should be fired immediately and disbarred, in my humble opinion. Now let me read you his words, and then you can give me a thumbs up and tell me whether you agree with me or not. According to the Cincinnati Inquirer, Inquirer Joe Dieters, Hamilton County Prosecutor, didn't hold back Saturday night when discussing his feelings for those who violate Ohio's stay-at-home order. In an interview with 700 WLW, the Hamilton County prosecutor said he's given, quote, given the green light to Sheriff Jim Neal to arrest and pursue felony charges. Quote, look at his face while I give you this quote. Quote, you are attempting in my mind as a prosecutor to commit serious physical harm to people and that is felonious assault. Dieters told Inquirer columnist Jason Williams. Dieters continues and says, I quote, So fine, sit your butt in jail. You can sit there and kill yourself. I don't care, but you're not going to kill my kids and you're not going to kill my neighbor's kids. I'm done with the nonsense, so we'll see what happens. Now you know what wicked list looks like. Let me read this again. I've given them a green light to pursue felony charges. He says, you're attempting, in my mind, as a prosecutor to commit f serious physical harm to people, and that is felonious assault. What is felonious assault? That's if you take and you stand in front of somebody with a gun. You don't shoot them, but you threaten to shoot them with a gun. You stand there with a knife. You threaten to stab them with a knife. You have a crowbar, a, a sledgehammer, your fist. You know, I don't know if your fist, that's probably just maybe batter, uh, regular assault. But felonious assault is, is assault with a deadly weapon with the immediate ability to take it, uh, to, to commit that act. Imminent danger and immediate ability, right? And he says, now let's be clear about this. He's not talking about people who are infected. He is not talking about people who have been tested. He is not talking about people who have been legally quarantined. He is talking about healthy people who refuse to stay at home. Number one, Prosecutor Joe has probably failed to re actually read the quote-unquote stay-at-home order, which has a truckload of exceptions on the activities that you can engage in. I have been reading these things all across America. Now, as I mentioned the other day, I haven't read all of them, but I've been reading a large number of them. I have yet to find a single county stay-at-home order 
or a single state stay-at-home order that does not authorize you to leave your house for an essential service. Number one, you are authorized to leave your house for an essential service. Number two, in that list of essential services are, I haven't seen an exception yet, walking your dog, engaging in physical activity. Now we know the lady in Fort Stewart, Florida was just arrested for jogging down the street, but there's no way that's gonna stand. That's gonna have to be dismissed because the orders specifically exempt personal outdoor activities in which you, in, you observe the six foot distancing and she was jogging by herself. So here's the crazy thing, not only is that gonna have to be thrown out, but the office, the officer that arrested her is now, his, his sheriff's department, his police department are now gonna have a civil rights violation lawsuit. Now they don't care because it doesn't come out of their pockets, it comes out of your tax budget. But those of you who've been listening to us long enough understand that we are already paying out two billion with a B, two billion dollars a year in compensation for civil, unlawful civil rights violations by law enforcement. Oh, that's a drop in the bucket now at this point. They just write it off. Because there's no personal accountability. Go ahead, sue us. I don't care. It's just tax dollars. It doesn't come out of my pocket. The officer's not going to uh, get fired because the, the, the police and the law enforcement uh, unions won't let that happen. And so look, guys, this, this dude, seriously. Number one, not paid people who have been quarantined. Number two, not people who have been tested positive. Not even people, according to the West Virginia rule, were likely infected. He says, you're out of your house. You get rot in jail. And you will be charged with felonious assault. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to prove. Apparently, Mr. Dieter missed that day where they talked about mens rea in criminal court. He must have also uh, skipped school, uh, law school that day where they talked about, you know, innocent until proven guilty and elements of a crime. And, oh, I'm sure he totally skipped out on the whole Constitution class. Most of them do, because most law schools don't actually teach the Constitution, but even under constitutional law standards. I don't know. Did this guy even, you know, how many days of law school did he actually complete? Because I'm going to tell you, I, just because you went to law school and passed the bar exam, I mean, you guys know lawyers. Come on. We wouldn't be the one of the, the second most hated profession in the world if law school and the bar exam made you a moral person. That's a choice. And Mr. Dieters, let me show you his face again. Mr. Diener, Dieters has made the choice to be a tyrant. So has Mr. Uh, Judge. Mr. Charles E. King Jr., who wants to put bracelets on people and put them on house arrest for some, some vague and overbroad terms such as uh, likely positive. 
yeah, I'm I'm still I'm still waiting on on that whole understanding. Likely positive. I do want to mention to you that uh, JC has the new T-shirts up. The new Got Liberty T-shirts are up. If you go to my Facebook page, I will put it up here on. Um, uh, I will put it up here on. Uh, Twitter as well and LinkedIn doesn't let me do a little I hate how LinkedIn or how I'm sorry not LinkedIn I hate how Instagram won't let you put hyperlinks in it and I'm not going to go in and change the hyperlink and my bio every single time come on people just go uh, to my Facebook go to my Twitter I'll even put it up on LinkedIn then you can get the got liberty t-shirt and so uh, apparently it's available in blue and in gray. Woohoo! There we go. So, everybody, um, where are we at now? I think that's the update that I'd like to give you today. I did want to give you a little, oh, no, no, there's one more. Before I do the encouragement that I wanted to give you, there's one more thing you need to look out for, right? So, what have we been talking about in the last day, the last few days? We got, uh, we, we, we have Bill Gates talking about creating a chip that we put in our arm that keeps all our medical records and proves that we've taken uh, our proper vaccinations. We also had the guy uh, saying that we, we're going to have to prove that we're vaccinated to engage in, in, in public, anything that's public, right? So if you want to go to the grocery store, you're going to have to prove that you're vaccinated. If you want to go to a concert, you're going to have to prove that you're vaccinated. So we've got Bill Gates providing us with the ability to prove. We got the government and people in government proposing that we're going to have to prove. You've got, uh, what's his face now? Uh, oh, Mr. Bullard with his we have, I mean, there is a solution, the CEO of the Federal Reserve Bank of Missouri. We're going to have testing every day of every person to prove that they're right. Here's step number three. Now, you're not going to believe me, so I'm showing you, okay? I would not believe me if I didn't see it with my own face. This is Orwell Minority Report and all those other sci-fi things all tied together. I, you're seriously just not going to believe me. Watch this. Here we go. Drones. Drones that can detect fevers and coughing will soon take to the sky. Dragonfly Inc., a history of innovation introduces the first quad something that has COVID-19 sensing drones in Australia. Dragon, D-R-A-G-A-N, fly. The drones are capable of monitoring fever-associated temperatures and heart and respiratory rates from a distance. They can also watch your behavior and see if you're coughing or sneezing. The drone will then report you. Look at this. This is crazy. The drones will be deployed at various hotspots around the country in Australia. However, it's unsure how soon these drones will be taking flight. 
Does that make you feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside? Drones in Australia that can detect fevers and coughing. Now, you guys who have been listening for a while, you know this has happened to me. And it also happened to JC, right? We're at Walmart in the self-checkout doomahickey where you scan it and nobody helps you. Twice now, once with me and once with JC, the AI in the self-scanner accused us of shoplifting. Refused to finish the, the, the transaction, put out this little red flashing light, the, the clerk had to come over and push in a code, and as soon as she pushed in the code, you saw this video replay of what we were doing where the AI accused us of shoplifting in Walmart. Now, what if the AI didn't depend on the clerk to come in and look at the video and clear it out? What if the AI had direct contact with the law enforcement? What if the law enforcement is a RoboCop drone? So now all of a sudden, AI mistakenly accuses us of shoplifting, calls the police on us, the police come and arrest us, maybe even a human being. I used to think it would have to be a RoboCop that would arrest us. I'm not so sure anymore. I'm not so sure that a human being wouldn't take an AI's assessment over ours. Would even bother to look at the video and say, you know, that's ridiculous. They weren't shoplifting. Oh, we got a call from AI. It's a computer. It doesn't make mistakes. So guess what? You're coming in and you're under arrest. So here's the thing. Now you got drones, right? Now you got drones that will detect fevers and coughing from the sky. Serious people, what could go wrong there? AI now accuses you of being sick. What is your defense? I mean, what's your defense today anyway with this virus stuff? Prosecutors and sheriffs throwing people in jail with no mens rea, with no elements to a crime, no, no innocent until proven guilty. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Smooth Baptist, you're not alone, my friend. Smooth Baptist says, get out the goose gun. I, I put this up. I put this video up on Twitter. I can't tell you how many people said, well, you know, that's really interesting. I got a, I got a shot some, a gun with some, with some buckshot in it. And so now the AI, you shoot it down. What's going to happen? Then you go to jail for that too, because we're all guilty until proven innocent these days. Thank you so much, David Weekland, for your super chat support today. Thank you so much. But this is, these are the things that we've got to look out for, all right? Well, now we're ready to go to our second half of our class on America Disarmed. 
Oh, look at there. There's a little picture for our Chris Ann Hall show. Uh, where you can find us on Chris Ann Hall, uh, the, the, the Daily Journal, if you just want to listen. We're also on YouTube because you guys, a lot of you guys know that. You're watching us now. And so this is our America Disarmed class that you have to get from Liberty First University. LibertyFirstUniversity.com, where you learn American history and the Constitution as if the founders themselves were teaching it. This is not me with a camcorder. This is professional videography in, in an education worthy of the highest institutions of learning. And I promise you that. I mean it. So, is a review. History. I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided, and that is the lamp of experience. I know no way to judge the future but by the past, so says Patrick Henry. And what we covered yesterday led us up to the knowledge of the fact that we're not teaching in our schools. You see, we didn't have our independence. We didn't have our Boston Tea Party over the fact that we were ticked off that we were having to pay a tax on tea. And we'll learn about that today. But in reality, at this point in time, right, we are 1765. We have taxation without representation. We have government mandating purchases and putting people in jail for not buying the mandated purchases. We have denials of due process, people thrown into prison ships and held indefinitely, and we have an unlimited exercise of power over the people. Is that not ringing any bells today? I mean, seriously, is there one thing here in this list from 1765 and a people who lived under the, under the rule and reign of a king? Yeah, it was a limited monarchy where they had actually elected representatives, but even so, they had a king. Are we missing anything here? I don't think so. We talked about the protests of the Sons of Liberty, the mock hangings of their tax collectors. Not only were there mock hangings of their tax collectors, they had mock funeral processions where they walked down the street with coffins, you know, the old-time funeral processions. They still do them in, in some places around, especially in New Orleans, where they had the effigies of their tax collectors and customs agents on the side of the coffins. And they had their, uh, they walked these coffins all the way to the, to the cemetery. They put them in a grave, buried the casket, and then gave an, a eulogy to the death of liberty. Well, the protests made the king nervous. You know, we didn't, they didn't have the presence of troops that they felt comfortable would control the people. They didn't have the presence of troops to, to keep things and, and under control. So the protests made the king nervous. So he repealed the Quartering Act. He repealed the Stamp Act. He repealed several of these acts and then went on, uh, well, he reduced the Stamp Act and then went on to reduce the tax on several things, including tea, uh, gr enormously. So you can't even say that it was about a tax on tea because at this point in time, the king has actually reduced the tax on tea. Now the people are so excited that the king is hearing their petition. The king is hearing their petition. And what's happened now in the repealing, the people believe that the king is on their side 
and it's Parliament that's wicked. So, long, huzzah, huzzah, long live the king. They put up a, have a big party in New York City, put up a statue honoring George III. Now, while we're partying in, partying in New York and honoring George III by putting up a statue, Parliament is back in session and they pass the Declaratory Act. Parliament assembled, had, hath, and of right ought to have full power and authority to make laws and statutes of sufficient force and validity to bind the colonies and the people of America, subject of the subjects of the crown of Great Britain, in all cases whatsoever. You know, of all the phrases, I think that subject to the crown of Great Britain is one of my favorites in there because that's the, the, the parliament saying, we have as parliament a right and authority to pass whatever laws we want. And we have that right to do that over the American colonies because in case you've forgotten, you are still subjects of the crown of Great Britain. Don't get so cheeky that you think you are under us, because you are. And then they say this term here, in all cases whatsoever. Now, when you're reading the writings of our founders, Jefferson is good at this, Adams is good at this, Payne is good at this, uh, Patrick Henry does this, you will see them use this phrase over and over again, in all cases whatsoever. They use it and as a, as a slur, as a derogatory term, and they say it, you can read the way they say it with such disgust in their heart that the parliament would have the audacity to say that they are completely unlimited in their authority to write and pass laws. Now, I will pause there for just a second and tell you that our Congress passed a declaratory act. It's called the Affordable Care Act. And if you want to know how, the Affordable Care Act is the exact same thing as the Declaratory Act. You're going to need to go for the whole course at Liberty First University where I actually connect the dots for you and show you how the declare how the how how the uh, pointing the wrong direction how the Affordable Care Act is modeled to be the Declaratory Act. Now what's interesting is Parliament, I don't know, after they said it out loud, must have realized how, how tyrannical that sounded, right? So they came back with the amendment and said, don't worry, you know, we have the authority to write any law we want, but you can trust us not to abuse that authority. As a matter of fact, we'll put it in writing that we will pass no laws unless we've determined those laws to be, ready? fit for the good of the empire. So we have the authority to make any laws we want of sufficient force and, and validity to bind you in any way that we feel necessary, but trust us, we won't abuse that power. We promise that all the laws we make, we will ensure that they are meet the standard of fit of the good of the empire, right? Collectively, not individually. Samuel Adams said, among the natural rights of the colonists are these, first life, second liberty, third property, together with the right to protect and defend them in the best manner that they can. Those are not collective rights. 
Those are individual rights because he goes on to explain that those rights come to you through the first law of nature, the duty of self-preservation. You as an individual have the right to life, liberty, property, and that means you don't have the right to acquire someone's property, but you have the right to control the property that you acquire. Let me say that again. You have the right to control the property that you have dominion over. Because if it's your property, you have dominion over it. If it's your property and someone else has dominion over it, where they can tell you what you can and cannot build, what you can do with it, how you can use it, hey, people, you don't own it. It's not yours. Your property is owned by whomever you, tells you how you can use it or not use it. I hope we realize that property ownership in America is merely an illusion at this point. So... Here's the crazy thing. Parliament says, don't worry, we won't abuse that power. We'll make sure it's fit for the good of the empire. Our Supreme Court has made the same standard for our federal government, for our local governments too, actually, now that the Supreme Court has taken up jurisdiction over everything in the United States, quite unconstitutionally, mind you. No, what they didn't have the audacity to say that the federal government can do anything as long as they can make, it, make sure that it's fit for the good of the empire. That would be too, too telling of the mentality we're dealing with. Fit for the good of the empire. No, they said, look, everything the government does will trump your rights. If the government can show a compelling governmental interest, See, that's how they can put that exception clause after the Fourth Amendment. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. No warrant shall issue, but based upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. In order to have a reasonable search and seizure, there are five elements that must be present at the exact same time under the Fourth Amendment. You have to have a warrant. You have to have probable cause. You have to have it sworn before a court subject to due process. You have to particularly describe the place to be searched. And, and number five, you must particularly describe the persons or things to be seized. All five must be present at the same time to be a reasonable search and seizure. But our, our Supreme Court has allowed our federal government and our state governments to turn all that to Swiss cheese by simply adding a comma after the period that's actually there and saying, unless it's a matter of national security. Why? Because the government then steps forward and shows that we have a compelling governmental interest in national security. And since the government can show they have a compelling governmental interest, the courts say, all your rights are out the window and whatever the government wants to do that they can create hath hath had, hath, and of right ought to have full power and authority to make laws and statutes sufficient of sufficient force and validity to bind the people of America in all cases whatsoever we determine a compelling governmental interest. That's a little bonus for your education dollar there. So you can see how complacent, how complicit our courts have become. So moving right along. What we have now is the organization of the people. Now, let me mind you, this is going to be seven years later. You have the Boston Tea Party. 
not about T. But taxation without representation, mandated purchases, warrantless searches, denial of due process, and being subject to foreign courts and foreign laws. Because the British government was putting these people on prison ships and the ones who actually went for their trial were being transported to Quebec. Now here's the story that they don't tell you in school about the Boston Tea Party. If you want to know this story, then you have to read a history book called The Rise, Progress, and Termination of the American Revolution written by founding mother Mercy Otis Warren. Mercy Otis Warren lived this. She was an anti-federalist writer. She was the first American woman historian, first American woman playwright, and first American woman political advisor. And she writes this history book and she tells us that this picture that you're looking at, this painting, is a misnomer. This makes you think this is like a riot. That's not how it happened. According to Mercy Otis Warren, who actually lived this history, here's how the Boston Tea Party went down. Yes, they were dressed as Mohican Indians because it was not just simply to disguise their faces, but also as a symbol of liberty because the Mohican government was, the, was a government most dedicated to liberty. And so, they walked down the street, Mercy said, quietly, commonly, uh, calmly, in rank and file. She actually said soberly. You see, they knew what they were going to do was going to be seen as treason. When they got to the docks, they boarded the ships. They asked the dock holder, the, 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 the shipman, they asked the shipman for the keys to the holds. Calmly, without a fuss, without any threat or aggression, the shipmaster handed the keys to the Sons of Liberty. The Sons of Liberty walked over, unlocked the hold, took out the East India Trading Company tea, and threw it overboard. Now they threw it overboard, and it was low, Mercy tells us that it was low tide that day. And because they had made a promise to each other that there would be no actual souvenirs of tea, nobody would bring any tea at home. There were men jumping over the sides of the ship, stomping the tea into the mud to make sure there was nothing that could be saved. When they were done throwing the East, Company, uh, the East India Trading Company tea over the side of the ship, they walked back to the hold, locked the hold, handed the keys back to the shipmaster, and quietly and calmly and soberly walked home in the same manner that they came. Now, that's not a Ferguson riot. That's not a Baltimore riot. The tea was a symbol of the tyranny because the East India Trading Company was the government monopoly. It was the government-mandated tea. And before you start listening to Barack Obama on how our protesters in Ferguson and Baltimore were like the Sons of Liberty. Let me just mention to you that John Hancock and several of other men actually paid back the East India Trading Company for all the product that they lost. So they didn't loot television stores and burn down donut shops. They were making a political, a political display. 
as a result, now this is going our pace is going to pick up really quickly now. So let's let's make sure that we're paying attention and we're we're, we're going cuz this is now we have the we have a catalyst here that is driving everything. As a result, the way this went down, the calmness, the organization and the lack of of resistance by the government in Boston really ticked the king off. So the king issues the Boston Port Act. He is going to shut down Boston Port. In an act to discontinue in such manner and for such time as are therein mentioned, the landing and discharging and lading of sh or shipping of goods, wares, and merchandise at the town and within the harbor of Boston in the providence of Massachusetts Bay in North America. Became law March 31st, 1774, enforced June 1st, 1774. I don't care, he says, if the goods on the ship rot. They will sit on the ship. You're not offlading any goods. You're not putting any new goods on the ship and sending them out. I'm locking down this port. Two things are going to happen here. You're going you're gonna to close down the businesses, right? Here's the thing. The people are being told by the parliament, by the British media propaganda, that the Sons of Liberty are a danger to the public. And in order to keep the public safe, we have to close down the Boston port. We have to shut down these businesses. I want you to see how many businesses, these are private businesses now. All of the merchants that would be shipping goods, all the merchants that would be buying and selling goods, all of the businesses that would be loading and unloading and taking care of the ships, they are now shut down as a matter of safety to keep the people safe. The intolerable acts are passed. Federal authority, no self-governance. You have the Boston Port Act, the Massachusetts Government Act, the Administration of Justice Act, the Quartering Act, and the Quebec Act are all passed together. And if you're watching us on YouTube, what you're seeing here, uh, as I'm circling with my cursor, is a political cartoon that was published in their day. Let me give you a, a, a little general explanation of what this is. Right here you see a Mohican wind Indian woman. Remember the Mohicans were a symbol of, of liberty in government. You see her being violated in the most despicable way. You see a judge holding her down so that she can be violated while a wig looks up her dress and another politician forcibly pours tea down her throat. You see the German mercenaries and the mercenaries from other countries looking on in, in some of them in delight and another woman looks by in disgust. You see, they thought that these acts, the Boston Port Act, shutting down the private businesses, the Massachusetts Government Act, the Administration of Justice Act, the Courting Act, Quebec Act, they saw them as the most vile of violations of the people's liberty by interfering with their private business. We wouldn't know anything about government today interfering with private business, would we? Now, you guys know about the Boston Tea Party. Well, they're actually 
tea parties throughout the country. But do you know about the first of uh, the second tea party that was held? It was held by the women. This is Penelope Barker. And in 1774, just 10 months after the men threw tea in the harbor, Penelope get organized the colonial women to bring about their own protest. Now remember, your sons and daughters are learning in school that these women were irrelevant, oppressed, disrespected, dis and, and, and ill-valued in society by the overbearing chauvinistic men, you know, our founding fathers. Which is a disgusting denial of the strength, courage, and virtue of these women. Let me read to you what Penelope says. Maybe it has only been men who have protested the king up to now. That only means we women have taken too long to let our voices be heard. We are signing our names to a document, not hiding ourselves behind costumes like the men in Boston did at their tea party. The British will know who we are. Can I just mention to you, does that sound like a scared, oppressed woman calling out the men for being scaredy cats for hiding behind costumes? Not only were they bold, they signed their first and last names to a petition that said that they would purchase no English-made goods. Remember, the English-made goods were mandatorily, were, were, were by law required to purchase, mandatory purchases by law. And these women, in courage, sent their first and last names to Parliament and said, we're not purchasing your goods. This is treason, by the way. Not only that, they sent their first and last names, which meant all the men in their family would be charged with treason, too. You can actually go to Edenton, North Carolina Historical Site, because that's where these women met. In the Edenton, North Carolina uh, um, Historical Society, and read the list. And they will tell you that not only were these women's on the, uh, names on the list, but the majority of the men who shared their names were English merchants. These women, these women had to know that they were not going to keep their jobs, the men in their families. They would also know that these men would be charged with treason, which means they could be shot on sight. Do you know what these women are teaching us? That liberty is worth more than a paycheck, and it's worth more than the lives of the men who would bring it home. Now, the king is going to replace Governor Hutchinson with General Thomas Gage to be the appointed military royal governor over Massachusetts. Now, Gage is going to institute martial law. And the king told Gage to get the people under control, to subdue the seditious behavior, and to enforce the coercive acts with all force available. He actually told Gage to disarm the people. Gage responds by saying, that's not possible. They outnumber me, they outarm me. If you want them disarmed, you have to start off by stop allowing the supply of arms to come into the American colonies. Now, the king realizes that that would probably push the people over the edge, you know, to, to stop and to limit the availability of arms of ammunition. So that's not what he wants to do. So he tells Gage, you do whatever you have to do to get these people under control. So Gage passes a law that forbids any public town meetings without his approval and said that he would only allow one town meeting a year. Why? Because we're not going to have any more public displays of, 
opposition like the Boston Tea Party and like the protests that we're having. You see, when you can limit the number of people that can gather, and maybe you tell them the only legal assembly is 10 people that are staying six feet apart. Then when you limit that assembly, you limit the power and the efficacy of the protest. So Gage is going to say anybody who meets in the town square to protest or for any other reason, you're going to be arrested. Now what's interesting is not Gage's law. What's interesting is what the people did. Immediately upon hearing Gage has passed this law forbidding town meetings, a number of armed colonists assemble in Salem to protest Gage's limit of your speech. Gage says there'll be no legal assemblies. The people of Salem said, oh yeah? Last time we checked, we have a right to assemble, so guess what? We're going to assemble. Now remember, they're armed, but they're peaceful. Peacefully assembling, not threatening anybody. Now Gage is not happy. So Gage sends a band of troops to disband and eliminate the crowd that had, had gathered in Salem to protest Gage's violation of their liberty. Remember, Gage has shut down public assemblies. You cannot meet unless you get my permission. Maybe you can only meet if you have 10 people and you stay six feet apart and you engage in proper social distance. You have 11, you're gonna get arrested, okay? Maybe if you just show up, you're gonna get arrested. What did they do? They showed up anyway. Gage sent troops. Now, it's not interesting what Gage did because that's what tyrants do. What's interesting is that same day, 3,000 men showed up at this same spot in Salem and drove Gage and his troops away. Gage is the tyrant, but the American colonists are demanding their rights and liberty. Gage is a military man, and he is not going to be humiliated. So on the early morning of September 1st, 1774, Gage tr would send troops to seize hundreds of barrels of gunpowder from the Charleston Powder House. Now, of course he's going to do that because he's got armed protesters that are, in, that are protecting the rights of the people to assemble. And he does not like being told no. So he's going to take their arms. What's interesting is when Gage seizes the arms and ammunition, when he seizes the, pow the barrels of gunpowder from Charleston, Alarm rings throughout the colonies, all of them. Letters, petitions of protest, declaring Gage's actions of seizing the private property of the people as an act of war against the people. And it's not what Gage did, because this is what tyrants do. It's what the people did. Over 20,000 armed colonists aged 16 to 60 began to march their way to Boston as soon as Gage seized the powder. Five days later, the militia of Worcester County, 
took over their government from the rule of the king, replacing all leaders appointed by the king with those selected by the people. Because in the American colonies, government was chosen by the king. We're not a republic yet where we elect people, but now we're going to be. Because the king's men have become tyrants and the people are going to self-govern. The same day in Suffolk County, the people gathered together and issued a list of 19 grievances against the government and then promptly took away all control of the militia from the governor. And I love this part, right? So they 19 grievances against the government, took control of the militia away from the government, governor and the government, and vowed to have open arms training in the town square every single day. You're going to try to disarm us? Sorry, we're not going to let that happen. We're going to have open arms training in the square. The First Continental Congress unanimously endorsed the Suffolk grievances and encouraged all other colonies to send aid to those in Boston. So what exactly has our Congress done as governors across the states are are denying people fundamental rights and I'm not just talking about refusing to issue permits to carry guns I'm talking about pastors being arrested I'm talking about joggers being arrested I'm talking about surfers being arrested I'm talking about people just walking down the street being threatened and harassed what is our Congress doing Gage orders warrantless searches of the home, seizing arms and ammunition to keep the people safe from the seditionists who are opposing his rule of order. So here's the questions that I need to leave with you. Because we're not going to, like I said, we can't go through this whole course together. If the whole course is well over two hours long, you can get the whole course at libertyfirstuniversity.com. But here's the questions that I want to leave with you. How did the American colonists respond? Let's lay the premise here. People who are subject to a king. Not people who are freemen in a constitutional republic. But these people who lived under the limited governmental capacity of a kingdom. How did they respond when the government limited their speech, their assembly, and their right to protest? How did, the, how did the people respond when the government responded with force to shut down their peaceful assemblies? How did the colonists respond when the government limited their availability arms and ammunition? How did the colonists respond when the government engaged in warrantless searches and seizures and when the government claimed national security trumped their rights? How did they respond? Well, they responded with a declaration of independence. They organized. They protests. They took back. I have no idea. Google must be listening to me. Did you guys see that? That was pretty weird. The NSA, the FBI listening to my Google, my YouTube live hit the wrong button on my computer and made that screen flash up there. I wouldn't even know how to do that for Pete's sakes. I'm going to have to go back and watch this show and see if it came up on your screen when it, what just happened to me. The Declaration of Independence. They also pulled down the statue of George III in New York, melted down the statue and used the, the, the lead for um, uh, musket balls. 
They melted down the statute and used the metal for musket balls. You see, this is why we are defending the Constitution. By the way, not only do you get this story at libertyfirstuniversity.com, you also get the story in my book, Sovereign Duty. Now, you can get Sovereign Duty at Amazon. You can get Sovereign Duty at, um, uh, let's see, you can get it at Books A Million online. You can get it at chrisannhall.com online. You can get this book in lots of places. Now, this book is, is a comprehensive guide written by the founders on how to restore proper balance between state and federal power. That's what this is about. There's a chapter on the constitutional sheriff. There's a chapter on America disarmed, the class I just taught you. There's a chapter on the authority of the states, the creation of the states, the limited power of the federal government, the check and balance power that the states have over the federal government. There's a chapter in there on Article Five conventions, uh, how the Constitution is properly amended, when we should engage in that, when we shouldn't engage in that. There's a chapter uh, on term, there's a section, I think it's a section or chapter on term limits. And your there's a whole chapter on your constitutional sheriff. One book. Not only that, the back of the book has pages and pages and pages of resources. I give you all my research. Don't let the naysayers and the brainwashed keep you from knowing the truth because Chris Ann Hall is not a vetted textbook writer and whatever they have you. I give you all my research because I want you to be the expert and I want you to know what this is all about. You have to become the expert on this. This is, uh, by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, this is a testimonial from Curtis Oda. He's a Utah State rep. He actually encouraged me to write this book and he gave the first review. He said, Chrisanne, I got through your book over the weekend. Wow. Your research and knowledge about states' rights, the importance of the Second Amendment, and our sovereign duty to defend our liberty is so thorough and compelling. Every liberty-minded citizen should read and embrace your warnings. The only thing that I would correct Mr. Oda on is these are not my warnings. These are the warnings of the men and women who created our constitutional republic. So I hope you enjoyed this history. And I want to ask you, I want to ask you, did you see history repeating? That history that we just learned, do you see it repeating today? What lessons could we learn from this history? Just the knowledge of how these people responded, who are used to living under the tyranny of a king, how they stood up boldly, publicly, proudly for their God-given rights, without apology, when the same excuses you hear today, we got to keep you safe. We're doing what's best for you. If you don't comply, you can go to jail. You can rot in jail. You can kill yourself in jail. No, you're not gonna get a trial. No, you're not gonna be innocent until proven guilty. No, there's not gonna be any due process. 
just the rule, arbitrary, overbroad, vague rule by tyrannical people in power. History always repeats. Solomon said there is nothing new under the sun. Why? Because human nature never changes. We have lessons to learn. And it's our fault if we don't learn them. We must study and learn and then do. It is not enough to hold up a sign on the street corner one day. It's not enough to send an email or make a phone call. What you do must have follow through. And we must be organized and we must be united. Thomas Paine said it is not in numbers that we gather our strength, but in unity. So thank you for your super chat supports, everybody. Remember, you can support us also through Anchor by t texting IMPACT2020 to 33777. You can uh, help us by going to chrisannhall.com and making your donations. You can even send a check in the mail. There's an address you can send a check in the mail to. We need your support, but we're going to do this regardless. We're not in this for the money. If we were in this in the money for the money, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have surrendered my, 60, my, my, my job 11 years ago to have no income and no secure, financial security at all. If we were in this for the money, we wouldn't have stepped out by faith and done what we did, and, and it would have done what we did. So, we are not a, a, a country, a, a union of states built on the premise of a police state. And we should not be quietly tolerating this. I'll give you one last warning from Samuel Adams, and then we're gonna go. He said, when we tamely suffer a lawless attack upon our liberty, we encourage it and we involve others in our doom. He said, it's a serious consideration that should weigh heavy upon our hearts, that ages and millions yet unborn will be the miserable sharers of our experience. What we tolerate today will become the new normal for our children tomorrow. The police state we tolerate today, even the soft police state that we tolerate today, will become the solid police state our children will live in tomorrow. Listen to the warnings or be judged by future. Please go to libertyfirstuniversity.com and get some education on this stuff. The book Sovereign Duty will help you too if you rather read than watch videos. But it's time for us to be a committees of correspondence and share the education so we can get to the point where we can organize and be united together. This is the education part because we've been denied for 177 years of proper education. So those who are listening now, I'm looking at the numbers right here on the screen. You are now our Liberty First community uh, uh, communities of correspondence, committee of correspondence. You are now the Liberty First 
Committees of correspondence take this message and spread it far and wide. Encourage people to sit down and watch this message. You can download this whole course at chrisannhall.com through video download. You can get it on DVD. Sit down if you don't want to if you if you don't want to invest in Liberty First University, you can get the videos all by themselves. But be the committees of correspondence that will inspire and ignite the sons of liberty for our future. What we do now will dictate how generations to come will live their lives. And we've got to stop waiting for the founders to return, to be resurrected. And we must stand up and be the founders of tomorrow. God bless you guys. I will see you next time.